Welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business Podcast. I'm your host, James Gilbert. The best companies are the ones that make it incredibly easy and delightful to do business with. It's seamless, frictionless, intuitive. It's not just a better experience, they're actually disrupting our very notion of what consumers should be able to expect from companies. You see, Aussies and Kiwis are a hard bunch to please. We have some of the highest expectations in the world, and luckily for us, our homegrown businesses know this. This season, on HubSpot's Unconventional Business, you'll be meeting some of our best homegrown brands as they share how they're growing and winning by disrupting the customer experience. Let's meet today's guest. Today we've got some guests who operate in an industry that I think we'd all agree is generally pretty conventional, and that is the tile industry. We have Floss and Drew, the co-founders of Tile Cloud, showing us how an unconventional approach in a conventional industry can lead to some great success. Welcome Floss, welcome Drew. How are you going? Afternoon. Good afternoon. All good here. For people that aren't familiar with Tile Cloud, what would be the elevator pitch on on what it is exactly. We're a online tile store specializing in tiles for bathroom renovations. I think you're the largest online tile company in Australia, is that right? Or one of the, the leading players? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, where where you can get good, good transparency around um, who's doing what numbers across the whole scene, but... Um, it, it certainly feels that way. We definitely feel that we're the leaders in the space as well. We um, Things that we are always looking outside of the box of how to make our website better, how to make our customer experience better, how to make our product selection better. And so we're definitely pushing the boundaries of the tiles online space. So, yeah, just as a, a front runner of um, yeah, style, branding and website, I definitely would say we're, we're number one in that on all of those areas. Why is that the case? Like often, you know, I think you're a relatively new entrant in this space. Selling things online is not that new anymore. Like what about the industry meant that it was slower to get online than other industries? Yeah, if you walk into a tile shop, it feels like the tiles have been on Mm. the shelves for a long time. It feels like we've been doing this for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, so we're just going to keep on doing it that way. None of us are from have ever worked in a tile store. And so the way that people were doing things, we don't do them that way. We just like to do them the new way and everyone else is shopping online. And so you can definitely buy your tiles online as well. When we started looking around for what we wanted the the store to look and feel like, um, we didn't look in the construction building renovation industries for inspiration um, because there's uh, like a lot less action happening in that space anyway. Uh, All of our inspiration was sort of more from um, fashion and, uh, you know, some of those other um, categories that are a lot more mature in the online space, Mm. Um, faster moving, higher competition. Yeah, yeah, beauty is a good one as well. There's a lot of guys that are doing um, really innovative stuff um, from branding through to product offers and all that kind of stuff that is just um, they're pushing the envelope further and faster. And, and for us, that's a better benchmark to to be trying to, uh, you know, aspire towards as we as we entered into the space rather than, you know, just try and compete with mediocre. That's a really good insight. That's one thing that we often do at HubSpot too is try to look at what's the most cutting edge competitive industry for like online marketing and what are they doing that we can do in the software world and for us that's 
often gaming companies. Like uh, a lot of the gaming companies have been in the digital space for the longest. Like everything they do is digital, uh, even to the goods they sell and etc. So they're often at the bleeding edge of what you could be doing, whether it's a paid marketing or content marketing, and then taking that as a software company is always um, where we uncover a lot of good opportunities that we just haven't come across yet. But what about your backgrounds led you to be doing this? I think for a lot of people, it probably seems one of the more out of the blue things to just be selling tiles online. It's not something that pops up in everybody's imagination. Like, Unless you're Drew Mansa, then it pops up in his imagination. And then <laughs> that could be the answer. Yeah, then you've got to be someone quite specific. <laughs> it's not an outrageous way to get there. I had a background in construction management, was in the building industry, and um, we have, have still do have um, a separate business, which is a, a commercial tile installation company. Through years of working in that space, sort of learned a little bit about tiles and about who who's who in the zoo, where the supply comes from and how you know price points and all that kind of thing and then um yeah just started to started to feel like there was a bit of an opportunity um to to take what was a you know a very traditional bricks and mortar buying experience um online and like don't get me wrong we know that it's not the perfect experience for everyone but there's a lot of people that it is very convenient for, and that's that's who we're we're, we're looking to help out. There, we're able to bring a uh, a much bigger range and a much more competitive price point to a lot of regional and remote guys that you know previously didn't have options, um, and and service them in the same way that we service our you know metro customers. And that's that's some of the the most uh, transformative um, customer feedback that we get is is guys that are sort of getting access to stuff that they just never never previously did because. We didn't want it to be just like servicing, you know, Sydney and, and, and Melbourne Metro. And that was like, that's, that is the easy part. Like the, the freight network is there. Everything is, is easy there. And it was like, let's do, let's do something bigger. And, um, I think maybe a little bit of that is because, um, I'm originally from, uh, the central West. And so, um, you know, grew up in, a um, in, in one of the areas that has less choice compared to, you know, a, a big city. When we started Tile Cloud, Drew and um, our other business partner, Mark, had the commercial tiling business. And when Drew came to me and was like, oh, I've got this idea we need, but we, um, we're we looking for someone to be like the creative part. Um, the My first th- like thought of it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this on the side. And Drew was like, no, 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 we're doing it and we're, we're going to do it. We're not going to, it's not going to be this side thing that's like, oh, we've started an online store. It's like, no, we've started the Australian tile online store. So when we were designing the website and all the branding, we made our sample boxes and we wrote on the side of it, Australia's online tile store from like the outset. And we're just like, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And this is where we're going to where we're going to go. So, um, yeah, which was very exciting. And how Drew and I know each other is uh, Drew's married to my sister, Hannah, and we Drew and I met at, at uni and then he met my sister. And so, but I've got a, Drew and Mark have a construction background and I have got a design background and worked for retail stores. I used to work for um, uh, an Australian design company called Mud Australia that makes ceramics here in Sydney. And uh, through there, through my time at Mud, I learned about retail and 
branding and under the the owner of Mud called Shelley Simpson, who had lots of inspiring um, information about Australia's um, online, oh, like Australia's traditional retail and online space. And so uh, I was able to bring that information over. Very different. The boys would talk about things in tiling that I wouldn't know what they would mean. They would say words like uh, mitered and rectified and lapado. And I'm like, <laughs> if I don't know what that means and I, you know, studied ceramics, then, you know, Jenny, who's doing her renovation, you know, in Wollongong definitely doesn't know what that means. So we were able to very clearly clearly set a tone and, you know, through their, and even today, like through the skills that Drew and Mark have compared to I, what I have, were able to merge the two together. So we had an, a lady with an issue and then um, they, we were able to be like, oh, here's our ex, you know, you know, uh, Drew and Mark who've got their, you know, who know tiling, who know the trade and we're able to give people advice and help them through, but with a toned down language as well, which is good. I think that is probably the key to your success, like back to the original starting point. It's the intersection of a great online experience for a new buyer that previously hasn't had access to the, uh, like, I guess the slate of products in such an easy way. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. That's really interesting. The the commitment that from the start that this is going to be a huge company, we want this to be the number one tile company in Australia. Did that lead you to make different choices than you would have if it had just been like a, let's just start this website and see how it goes, like we're already buying tiles and selling tiles? Definitely. I mean, obviously, it's easy to have a website that reaches nationally. That's everything. Um, But like in terms of a a more impactful part of the business, uh, the, the, the freight is, is the number one, um, element that, that changes if you're going to, you know, be servicing, you know, a state or a region, um, compared to nationally. And, uh, yeah, like just, just putting in the legwork to find the carriers that can, you know, service these areas properly. We've used everyone. We've tried everyone. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty crazy. And, and then also figuring out the pricing of how that would all work as well. Um, tiles are obviously inherently um, fragile, but the other thing that people forget is like physically how big the orders actually are and how heavy they actually are to like um, to to sort of like um, visualize how big of a pile of tiles you need to tile a bathroom. Um, I think the average person would like grossly underestimate how big that um, you know raw material actually is. And so, um, you know, when we are uh, talking to customers, you know, our, our prospective customers who are obviously online shoppers um, in other aspects of their life, whether it's groceries or, you know, fashion or whatever, they're used to buying stuff that's um, smaller or um, lighter. And uh, a lot of the time that might go through um, Australia Post and, and, you know, you're talking maybe like, you know, $5 shipping for a T-shirt to the other side of the country or, you know, a couple of dollars here or there for, you know, maybe some jewelry, like whatever you're buying, it's uh, percentage wise relative to the cost of the actual purchase. It's, it's, a, it's a much smaller percentage. And overall, you can, you can hide those costs in the cost of the product um relatively easily you know if you've got a a 50 dollars t-shirt and you hide it and and increase the price to 55 dollars and then and then offer free shipping it's like it's not actually free shipping you've paid for it in the in an embedded cost but um when it comes to tiles you don't necessarily have the opportunity to do that because you're going to you're going to price yourself out of the you know the 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 product in the first instance if you if you if you load up your price with shipping and so um when our customers are are used to having free shipping it was definitely um 
a, a delicate balance of, of finding the the right price point um, and and how we how we manage their expectations that you know although this is an online purchase and uh, you know our our user experience does look and feel a little bit like you know a fashion experience from you know ASOS or the iconic or you know somewhere else that you've shopped you know earlier this week um, this this part is a little bit different and so there's been a lot of information and and um, awareness that's gone into sort of like calibrating expectations on, on that part of like what's actually going to show up at the door um, and, you know, h- how it, how it's actually going to have to get there. We have people turn up to do a pickup and they've got like a huge, like a whole bathroom worth of tiles and they'll come in like a mini Yaris and it's like 1.2 tons. Oh, wow. And we're like, you need to do like four trips, mate. Like you've got to come back and do that. But we, um, yeah. we do like videos about like, if you order this, this is what's going to rock up. People are like, can you just send it to my local Australia post and I'll pick it up from there. And we have to say to them, no, it, it comes on a pallet. It's strapped. Like it, you, you need to have it delivered to your house. You, you, you can we can you know there's is some authority to leave but majority of time you should be there because you have spent a lot of money on it as well to um so it's uh, constantly managing our customers expectations and we've just found you know more information the better and it's like just keep on saying it over and over again and then they understand what's actually going to arrive it's not just the beautiful little sample box when you know but in a bigger scale and a bigger box it's you know it is a big pallet that needs a specialty truck and all that kind of stuff and so those customers, like you started out with the more commercial operation where I assume you're selling to developers or uh, like big owners and, and probably installing the tiles. Actually with TileCloud, and- from day one, the focus has always been um, like renovation and DIY customers. So there, there has been, there has been, it wasn't, we didn't really leverage like our um, our network from our previous business. It was like, we want to talk direct to the the retail customer and that was that was who we're talking to from the start why did you think there was an opportunity with them i think you've just like outlined a bunch of issues that like a retail customer clearly like it they don't think about uh what made you think that you'd be able to overcome those obstacles and and actually sell to them we didn't have it all figured out right at the start that's for sure but i think that the um kind of the insight at the start of the of the of the business in in sort of like the conception phase was that convenience trumps most other things moving forward. That's that is sort of like a new um, you know purchasing behavior, and where you know previously um, you know customers might have been a little bit more price sensitive or even um, quality sensitive. That moving forward and and um, sort of uh, on the back of um, you know like prolific online mattress sales and you know there's there's a bunch of different categories that are you know would would have traditionally been seen as you need to touch and feel this product before you're gonna you know purchase anything like oh i've got to lay on the mattress i've got to bounce on it i need to know what's going on here um and it's like actually that that's what we thought but as it turns out um if you can kind of de-risk the proposition a little bit by offering the free trial in the in the instance of the mattress um and uh you know you, you've got a you've got a competitive price and 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 a you know a good looking product the convenience of just having it show up is like I'll give that a shot and next thing you know these guys are you know booming and so it's sort of a little bit of that mindset um coming over into into a different category and and saying okay well we're talking to that same customer 
they haven't um, sort of had the opportunity to to sort of exercise that that buying behavior in this category before in in their home renovation um, purchasing, but they're they're doing that same thing and they're making those decisions and opting for convenience in other areas of their purchasing behavior. So it's like they've rationalized it. Let's give them give it to them as an option and we'll see what they do. A lot of our customers yeah. do a huge amount of their renovation from their office desk. The people who like were our original Tar Clark customers, we were sending sample boxes to people's office before they were at home and so they you know they'd get their sample box there they'd look at what they liked they'd then be on the website when they were you know in their lunch break or on their way to work on the way home and then they make the purchasing decisions there like we knew that people didn't want to spend their Saturdays trawling around like the traditional tile shops they wanted to do everything from the convenience of their desk or from work. And then, you know, now with, you know, 2020 with COVID, that's just transferred over so easily as well. So we were already set up to easily, you know, sell, we send out sample boxes anyway. And so people have been able to utilize our services even more like over the last six months or so. And so you essentially had this industry where there was a bunch of barriers to a modern customer experience. And you, you, it sounds like you've come up with a bunch of ways of getting over those obstacles a major one sounds like the sample samples and then possibly also range of products that people in more isolated locations didn't have access to did you know all the barriers um at the start did you have a checklist of like this is why these people aren't buying tiles online and we need to have a solution for each of these and if we achieve that we've got a disruptive customer experience or were you just like okay we know this one let's do that and as you have gone you've learned different friction points and come up with solutions to smooth it over i'd say we definitely didn't know everything at the beginning we knew that there wasn't an online store for tiles and we're like no we can do that and so we did that and then when we were building the user experience for the website we realized that people will want samples like that will be a thing that people will want and we want to offer them that experience because they want to check that the color sage is the right one to go with their you know caesar stone bench top that they had so that then instantly became part of the um, initial build for the first website that we had that it had to have that sampling element so it had to have a special you know we had to organize all of that but we didn't I, I don't think we knew all the answers to you no definitely not I mean <clears throat> another good example of, of not understanding you know what we were up against was we, we, we put together this beautiful website and we did our research on, on what the price point needed to be and figured out the freight pricing and, you know, all that stuff and got it all organized and, and when we launched into the market we were we were having sort of like a little, a little bit of action, but not. No one was banging the door down, and we were, you know, doing our best to try and get feedback from customers and people that, you know, bought samples but maybe didn't go on to purchase. It's like, okay, what can we learn from that? Can we talk to that person, you know, and trying to, them, you know, really them. just, yeah, get get feedback on on what the experience was or, or you know what they ended up doing instead of going with us, um, which I think is where you learn most of the good information about your entire business. But the the one one of the one of the critical mistakes that we made early on um that wasn't clear to us straight away was until our customers started telling us was we looked much more expensive than we actually were so through the oh, through the the appearance of the brand the the, the colors the Typography. logo the yeah it just every every one of those little aspects all goes together to sort of um you know create this perception of you know the price point of the brand before you look at any numbers or anything like that you kind of get a feel for how expensive you think it's going to be 
and we were losing customers just from browsing our website and they wouldn't even get to like a product page to see the price of an actual product because they'd be like, well, this is beautiful, but obviously it would be expensive. So, and then, you know, off they would go. And um, we had we had a little bit of feedback along those lines. And then when we started to ask more pointed questions for feedback in that area, you know, sure enough, it, it, it started to, you know, really flush out that that was a, a common thread that we were, we were, you know, mismatched between you know, the the two parts of our offering, which was, you know, one being what does the brand look and feel like and the other being, um, you know, what is the actual price point? And we're, we're, we're finding um, anecdotally that people were, you know, saying, oh, you know, um, it was too expensive. So I went and bought them from here. And I was like, oh, how much do you pay for those over there? And I was like, oh, you know, this amount. And I was like, oh, we actually sell that similar product for cheaper. And so I was like, that's that's not their fault. It's our fault. So how did you overcome that? That's an interesting problem. We added the price more. We changed the font that the price point information was in. We spoke about price more. So even just like before, we'd just be like, ooh, look at this beautiful marble. And then instead we were like, actually, we don't want to sell marble. That's not who we are anyway. We do like beautiful subway tiles and this is the price and this is what we're doing. And it just like being like way more like transparent with what we were actually doing and then also like just subtly changing things in images as well making them not like if you've got a perfect image you look at it and you go oh my god that would have been expensive to shoot so on our instagram putting like half done reno pictures up and people could look at that and they're like oh like that you know kind of just changing the tone ugc has been massive user generated content like yeah. being able to show projects as as a work in progress um is is sort of like it's you know it's it's unpolished you know there might it might be the bathroom half tiled and you know there's no taps on the walls and the lighting's not studio lighting and you know blah 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 and so you know probably old tile cloud would have thought oh you know that's not you know not quite uh up to up to scratch whereas you know in reality, that's exactly what people want to see. Is they want to see, you know, how is this going to look in in my project? I'm not I'm not doing a a magazine shoot here. I'm doing an actual project. If it's a half done image as well, the customer is allowed to imagine what they would do with the with that project as well going forward. So say if like the floor's tiled, the walls are tiled, but the the taps aren't in yet, the vanity isn't in yet, or the mirror isn't in, or the styling elements, we're able to kind of put it out on our Instagram and be like, oh, look at Sandra's project. What colored taps would you put in? And then they start dreaming about their project and what they're doing. And renovating is a lot of, that's a really exciting part of it is dreaming about the room that you can create for yourself and your family or the people you share your home with you know the the less fun bit is when the trades are actually there and something's going wrong and you know all that stuff but by that point they've yeah. already purchased and you know they, they're our customer but being able to get the customer when they're dreaming and where they think they look to tile cloud and they're like oh that's who i'm going to get my inspiration from that's you know the brand that i align with people come in to the speak to us on the phone and they want our look that we've created and it's like a very Australian aesthetic and you know we're not trying to be European we're not trying to be these Italian type like we don't even say those words in us you know in our office or you know that's not who we are like we're doing a modern Australian contemporary homes and you know with lots of different flavors but that's you know who we are and that's who people want to be as well. That balance must be super interesting of how you do it between being aspirational and then being relatable because I feel like you know, it sounds like you learned a lot from being purely aspirational. Was it meant it was hard for people to relate to it? And so you saw less sales because of that. I imagine like 
both extremes are actually bad. Like if there wasn't any element of your brand that was aspirational, you would also have issues. Like how do you think about the balance between those two things and, and what does that look like and what you actually do? We obviously have a um, like a benchmark of where the brand sits right now and it's about just making little incremental changes um, to, to different aspects and, and, and seeing how they're received and continuing to ask for feedback around, you know, how did how did the price compare to what you expected, and you know how did the all the other elements of the business? Um, because I think that yeah, there's there's no playbook on on how to how to get that positioning just right. Um, obviously, we went um, you know too far in one direction, and and can bring up plenty of examples of of other businesses that have gone in the other direction as a deliberate play there's room in the market for you know and 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 customers looking for brands in each of those different categories you can be a high-end brand and do good you can be in the middle and do good and you can be at the low end and do good it's where where you don't do good is when you have a disconnect between you know what you're projecting and what you actually are um that's that's when you get into into trouble because there's it just it just doesn't feel right um and and yeah i think that the customer sort of you know gets that same impression pretty quickly. I think it also we truly became who we were, like it became a lot more authentic. We talk about projects that we were excited about or we were doing or or all of or we, you know, the when we started, I think Instagram stories probably started a year after we started our, Insta, our Instagram and using that in that social media channel to talk to people directly and get feedback about, you know, oh, they liked it when we talked about we were doing a photo shoot and we were, you know, talking about the tile behind the scenes and people would be like, oh my God, what's this? What's that? And we just truly became authentic to ourselves as well. And so it was like, oh, this is who we are and this is who where we align with, obviously with changing it, but it became, you know, what, yeah, we became much more natural because we were fitting into you know, we were talking about the things that we liked and what we were doing. The user-generated content is in line with, um, you know, what you're projecting. Your your tone of voice when you're trying to talk to your customers in, is in line with what you're trying to project. It, it just all of those d- different elements just like mesh together, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is a, a cohesive brand that knows who they're talking to and and knows what they're talking about. And it just, it all just feels good. I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. It takes time. It takes time. It is fascinating when you chat to brands that have that alignment, that success just seems to follow where like, and you can, I think consumers, there's, there's something they can sense when a brand does have a disconnect from like the, you know, where it's been inauthentic and whatever that sense is it does block people from engaging with that brand promoting that brand and like transacting with that brand and so you often see the inauthentic brands just they just struggle to get any meaningful form of traction where there is something like celebrated and i don't know that people can put their finger on exactly how or why where a brand is truly authentic and and that alignment results in a lot of growth one of the one of the other places that it shines through a lot is like uh in the in like flow is um usually 99 times out of 100 um the one on the other end of um the instagram account whether it's instagram stories or posts and you know commenting and feedback to to people um that uh if you're if you're speaking you know 
what your own personal thoughts and beliefs are, which aligns with what your brand's beliefs are, and you know your opinion is you know kind of, and your style is the brand's style. All those things, when they all align, it's 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 just easy to do that stuff. There's no there's no like extra energy required. You can just be you and respond how you want to respond, and then it's like um, that not like not forcing it. Um, get, just yeah, it it, it comes through. Yeah, it's not a you're not like struggling for content or struggling for how to respond. It's like you don't have to think about it. like just you do you and that is the correct response. Like that's the answer. That's the tone of voice. That's that's the response. What's the competitive landscape for you looked like? Since we've launched, there's been lots of people who who've launched and done tile stores. A lot of them looked like tile cloud as well. We um like to put horse blinkers on we like to see what's around but kind of not look at it and just really stay in our lane because we know that people can see exactly what we're doing by our online store and our social media and so they can copy and they can you know they can look at what we're doing but we just try and keep in our own lane uh while we were while it's been covid uh beaumont tiles which is probably the physically the biggest uh tile company in new south wales and other states and um, has relaunched their online store they did it a couple of years ago it didn't work so they took it down and then through covid they relaunched it i think but it's one of those things where you can tell that it's it might just be like an, an added extra onto their what they're already offering but it's um but yeah there definitely are lots of tile companies who are doing it if they end up being able to do it and do it well like good on them but it's a it's a hard you know it's a lot of hard work that takes together yeah it sounds like a pretty back to the t-shirt example like it's pretty different to a lot of e-commerce uh products where there's a lot more complexity when it comes to the shipping for the core product versus almost everything else that consumers especially like that direct to consumer would buy online i imagine that had that resulted in interesting conversations when you were trying to get started and people were like no are you kidding like the yaris example like people have no idea how many tiles they're actually buying when they buy them you can't do this online because you can't control the shipping and if it breaks that costs you a fortune and what was that like when you were trying to launch and chat to suppliers and say like oh we're going to be this online uh, provider and I'm sure they were looking at you um, questionably possibly <laughs> yeah pretty much there's a fistful of uh, tile wholesalers um, who that was the, that was the starting point for our business was to sort of like test the waters rather than be like oh let's buy a bunch of shipping containers of tiles and then just see and like hope for the best it was it was no no let's let's start with you know the products that are sort of readily available to us that are um, you know being brought in by other wholesalers so we went around and talked to a few of the um, you know the known the known players in in that space and a fair bit of it was like uh, no thanks um, we're not interested uh, in supplying to you guys because we feel like um, you know it's it's a bit of a, a weird overlap uh, uh, competing against our existing tile retail stores uh, we just don't want to do it and you know it's not not the done thing I suppose was the the subtext um, and then uh funnily enough one of our um sort of like major suppliers um when we when we started talking to them they weren't a major supplier at the time they were you know a prospective supplier we were talking to them when we're like you know we want to do this thing blah 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 this is what it's going to look like and uh, they were like um we don't understand what really how that's going to work we don't think it's going to work but we are happy to you know support you 
and let you try. And I was like, that's good enough for us. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, wrote, you know, signed up a, um, you know, an account form and um, got cracking and, you know, having, and actually they were, they, they are a, a very well-known supplier in, in, in New South Wales in particular in the industry. And they also supply down into Victoria. And I think just, just by virtue of having them as a supplier to us, I think that probably opened the door to a couple of other suppliers being like, oh, well, if so-and-so is mm-hmm. going to do it, then, you know, we could probably do it as well. And, I would say that they were also maybe thinking that it's you know maybe just lip service that we'll we'll, we'll supply you and we'll, we'll sell you a few tiles until you you know burn your runway and and um, you know fold it up in a year's time or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, ha- we're happy to happy to say that um, you know that that initial relationship is still we're they're still a um, an important supplier of ours and we do plenty of business with them and I think that um, you know certainly compared to a, a regular tile store. Um, uh, you know, we're 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 a pretty big customer of theirs now. How did you think about that though? Like entering this, I'm going to call it a new industry, even though you were somewhat in it. But it's a new, a pretty radical divergence from the way the industry operated. And you've got one of the people who has the most insight in the industry telling you like. Ah, oh, this is cute, but it's not going to work. But we're, sure, we'll sell you some tiles because, like, we'll still get paid. But like, if you've got somebody with that much insight telling you they don't think something about an industry is going to work, how do you even think about that and and get past it? It's it's funny because you have to generalize a little bit and and you know bundle people into stereotypes a little bit, but to to sort of like summarize the industry. But generally speaking, the construction renovation industry, uh, the people that are you know in in those positions of you know owning and operating the the bigger businesses are typically a little bit older. You know they've they've been there for a while. They're you know fairly set in their ways of how they're operating, and um, they have had and you know created the success that they've um, seen in their business today by doing things in a certain way. And so it's like in their experience that is the way to do business, and this is a different way. Um, and they don't have experience in that, and so it's not what they know, and so it's not what they're gonna you know recommend. But um, I guess a little bit similar to what we touched on before, we have um, seen this this insight into you know changing, evolving customer behavior where this idea that um, convenience is becoming more and more of a strong purchasing decision driver. And it's like, okay, well, where's the intersection between, you know, what what's possible to even do in the industry compared to, you know, what buyer behavior is is asking for, and and I think that's that was kind of us sitting in the middle um, and being like, I think we can connect some dots here and 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 find some happy happy ground in the middle. And was that insight validated straight away, or was there a little bit of a time? You've got the supplier on board, you've got you've launched. Did you see growth straight away or was that actually hard fought at the start? I, I would say from a numbers perspective, like, yes, we were seeing growth. And I and I, I, I don't really like startup growth numbers because they, they're a bit meaningless. It's like, oh, we grew, you know, 300% year on year. It's like, yeah, but if you start yeah. with a dollar and then you go to $3, to, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> percentage-wise, that's awesome, but also not good. Um, and, and I would say that, like, right at the very start, that was probably more like... Um, you know what it felt like. It was like yes, we were we were growing rapidly, but uh, I wouldn't say at a at a at a meaningful level. Um, and it wasn't until we started to um, unlock some of the other um, 
barriers uh, in in you know whether that was you know the brand positioning stuff um, that we touched on or you know the product offering um, and even to a certain extent the price points um, that you know some of those some of those other um, sort of limiting factors that were preventing us from you know growing more like how we're growing now started to yeah fall away and then we we really started to you know hit it but it's also with our like digital marketing and all of the like our advertising we were doing and like that really helped as well like it pull everything into into line and be targeting the right people and giving them the right content all, all of that lined up too there has to be some element of doubt in your mind i would think through that time like what was it that kept you being like no this is definitely right like you can see was it just the fact that like our growth numbers even though it's small are still directionally very good like this is gonna in time get to where we think it can for me one of the um sort of one of the the factors that maybe gave gave a lot of hope in those early stages was that the people that were using us their feedback was overwhelmingly positive like like borderline scripted like couldn't write the review better like just like this was so convenient and so handy and the price was amazing and we've never had this selection like it was just you know out of control and it was like oh wow like we 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 have actually really helped this person with their project and their renovation and and like this is a, a valuable thing for them in their renovation journey um and even though we weren't doing like lots of transactions on like a you know like a a day-by-day basis it was like the people that we were helping were really enjoying it and so it's like okay how can we help more people enjoying it and were the way they were enjoying it was exactly in line with your insight it sounds like that it's really about convenience and choice. Yeah, they became brand ambassadors without even us like trying to push it on them. And then they would be like, oh, my friend Sandra is doing a renovation. And then, you know, they would, you know, tag her, or, you know, and then be like, this is who I used. Yeah. And like, then it was like when people are promoting your business without you having to promote it, it's the best, you know, what of mouth is the best form of advertising ever. Like if someone's had a good experience and then they post about it, like, or they tell someone about it, they're can't be anything better and i think that comes back to the authenticity piece too it's like they are posting about it because your brand has hit like a a real core nerve with that person because you're solving a problem in a way that they've wanted it to be solved but hasn't been able to yet and so um to your point i think it's it's as and as you've demonstrated it's very very powerful as growth. I think I think people maybe um slightly overestimate the size of our business and the um like how personal it actually is and I think that um you know when when you start to read our reviews you 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 read them and it's like oh thank you so much floss for helping me do this and and you know um helping with my Mel design or whatever that, yeah. thank you yeah thank you Mel thank you Layla like it's it's not it's not I'm not not reviewing some like corporation it's like I'm reviewing a personal experience with a you know with the the designer that helped me on the other end of the line and it's like we had a we had a um you know a connection like figuring out how to get this project into shape and and, and make it all happen and that was like authentic yeah when we started Tuck Club we didn't have like a design help 
service. We just kind of thought that people would be self-serving and go onto the website and be able to put a look together and be done. And then we really quickly, when we put a phone number on um, the website, the the phone number was originally linked to my mobile number. It was like a one three hundred number, but it would come through to my mobile, and I would then just get call after call of people being like, oh, I'm on the site and I need help with this. And then we ended up, you know, having to expand our phone call. I couldn't get all the calls anymore. But um, we uh, instantly knew that we needed people to help people put the look together. So now we have um, in-house interior designers and people book online and we do screen share or in in our space here that we work in in Rosebury, you can come in and have a design appointment as well. And that service is utilized so much we're booked up till the middle of October people call and they're like oh there's something wrong with your you know your online booking and we're like no there's not like we're just, there's just no appointments left and people want that you know that head they they want the convenience but they also want to know that they can have the help when they they need it a lot of them will have purchased a sample box online realize the complexness of putting a room together and then they'll book an appointment and then we'll help them through that process which is so lovely often when we when we do the call we'll be on loudspeaker with the husband they'll (laughs) most renovators also normally have a newborn baby as well so they're like oh i've just got to go and do this and then they'll come back like there's a definitely suckers for punishment (laughs) yeah 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 we we do it we have a lot of uh, customers who are about to give birth in about two months and they're like i need to do my bathroom before the baby comes very common and it's like they'll tell us and we're like yeah yeah yeah." you're everyone's like that but yeah now we (laughs) offer this design service that's been yeah, really take it. We've been doing it now, I think two two years we've been doing the design service and people really love it and we really love it because every day we get feedback on, oh, we lots of people on their Pinterest board have got a tile that looks like this. We're currently not offering this tile. Okay, me and Drew then are like, okay, where do we get the tile from? How can we get that? Like if, if we see it enough, then we constantly have these uh, points of contact with our customers. So as you know, owners and founders of the business, we're constantly knowing how to change it. It's not like, oh, our staff are just doing that. It's, you know, myself, I do design appointments. Most days I have a couple and it's the way that we're able to expand uh, range, make sure that what we're talking about online is still super relevant. If we're talking about, you know, pink tiles and everyone's like, I hate that. Like, then it's like, you know, we're, we're always making sure that we're talking about correct things and, you know, using Pinterest is a really good tool to see what people are putting their mood boards together as. And so, yeah, keeping people online and in that like online space, but learning from them all the time. A lot of people, um, they seem to be really good at putting together a, um, like a Pinterest board with some inspiration shots of like you know what they want the end goal to look like um and where they where they struggle in the process is just which which products do i need to choose that will get me this end result and so you know like i would say the the core service of our of our design help is around connecting that those dots of like you will get this result and achieve this look if you you know select these products and it's um you know like on one hand it's like oh can't you just tell like that the walls are white it's the white tile like you know isn't it simple it's like well actually no there is a bit of subtlety to it and and um you know also a bit of reassurance i think is important as well that people are selecting products that are you know fit for purpose um that they're not picking something that's you know going to be slippery underfoot or you know whatever it is the other thing is a lot of the people making 
the decision making are the normally the women in the in the family and so we find that our design appointments also give these women lots of confidence to then talk to the tradesperson about you know what questions oh, do i need to ask yeah. about um the floor waste how do i what what are the words that i should be asking when they come in and they say what size tile should be on the floor so often we'll do a design appointment and then they'll come back to us as we're their safe space of like They'll be like, oh, Floss, I've done this and now I need help with that. And we're like, yeah, here you go. Here's the help with that. And it's like empowering people to, you know, these are large, these are expensive decisions they're making. So empowering them to make the right decision is really important. And so it's like, and yeah, helping these, you know, families and women make that decision. So yeah, it's really exciting. Not everyone has a tradesperson as like a husband or a partner. And so they need that extra help. And we're we're there to do that. I think it's a really interesting like nuance on the online model though like a lot of people would think oh online's great you can just sell 10 or 10 million tiles and you don't necessarily need more staff to do it but I think you've kind of shown that actually there is a human element to these businesses that is very additive to the business if you have your design appointments you have human touch points gives you a lot more information on what customers actually want and how it's actually working and and even like sets them up for more success like back to your point around i'm sure there's um you know nuances around buying the right tiles for your house and and working with tradespeople who are working on the house etc and that if you just buy the tiles yourself and get that wrong like you there's probably a decent chance you're going to waste money but injecting a person in that process to help give them that confidence and context that's hard to get otherwise just makes it more successful yeah it's a really good insight it's like you know the key reasons why we have become so successful happen to be fundamentally you know unscalable and that although we're an e-commerce business it's like you you still need that personal touch the topic of this podcast and why we brought you on is like unconventional business and what are businesses that have done things in an unconventional way and i think you know that just speaks to that point where it's not necessarily conventional to have an online product that has a lot of human involvement as well but actually that unconventional structure gives it the most success what and, and and it seems like it's clear that you are experiencing a lot of success now. What advice would you give to other people looking to start a business? And maybe it's unconventional for the industry and they're getting a lot of the same feedback that you got when you started that, no, you can't do that in this industry. No, shipping means you can't sell tiles online. No, the customer experience it should be done this way or people want to buy in store. Um there's a lot of people listening that would love to start a business like Tile Cloud. What kind of words of wisdom would you get give them to get them through that that period of uncertainty? My my first thing of what I because I do have friends who have started businesses since we've started Tile Cloud and they'll they'll ask things things and my biggest thing that I say to people is just start an Instagram and start speaking to people and see if anyone's listening like it's it's free you can do it on your phone you can put something together like that's my I guess for from like a branding and a you know even just like from a sales point of view it's like start talking to people and see if there's something that um, it's someone saying we I think we started Tarclad's Instagram maybe like two months before and it's we uh, it, we should have started it sooner I was I think I was too nervous to say anything because I didn't know what we were saying like what to say yet and I wish you know we'd shown people the process of us starting this business more or you know things like that or about picking things or you know just be open 
and be, you know, authentic with people. And that's super important. So that would be my advice to start talking to people, start doing it every day. I have two things to add just on that Instagram one. I think people um, get caught up in like Instagram numbers of like, oh, I, I don't have a, you know, 10,000 followers. So, you know, how could I possibly start? You know, it's like, actually, you know, if you sold one thing to all those people, that's way more customers than you could ever handle. Like, you don't need 10,000. You don't you probably don't even need 100. Like, if you have an Instagram following of, you know, 50 people and you sold, you know, your widget to all 50, you'd probably be bloody flat out. So, like, just the idea that you need to, you know, build up to some magical giant number before you're ready or, you know, whatever is, is um, you know, just not true. Um but then uh, back to your question about um, advice for somebody, you know, starting up something like this, I would say, number one, you have to have an ability to actually execute on your plans. I think that a lot of people have a lot of good ideas and I think that um, ideas are pretty easy to come by in the scheme of things, like in the hierarchy of like making this happen, the idea was very easy. Um, it's, it's about, it's about, you know, sort of bringing together some things that we saw in some different industries and, um, applying it to an age old, you know, um, process of, you know, you know, tiles have been around since, you know, forever and a day. Like there's, there is no, there's no real like genuine innovation here. We're not, we're not, this is not, um, you know, an invention. Um, but it's just bringing together some different ideas from different industries and um, sort of combining it in a new way and packaging it a little bit differently. That's like, oh, actually that is convenient. In a previous life, I did a law degree, which was a really fool's errand because I can't spell borderline my name, let alone anything else. And I'm not wired that way. But I remember studying IP law and there was two ways that an invention could come to be. One was like a brand new thing, but actually the other one was a unique combination of two existing things. And I think that is actually the invention we see in business that is often the most successful. It's where people think something can't be done a certain way in a certain industry, but then you've combined that with something else being this e-commerce experience largely inspired by the fashion world. And that unique combination of two things creates something that's actually, I think you, I, I think you should call it an invention for your industry and, and where it is true and where people are wanting that service, uh, you see a lot of success, even despite the, the doubters at the start. My, I, I feel like um, my advice wasn't actually really genuine advice. I was just saying, um, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. My actual advice, I think, is yeah. this. It's <laughs> figure out a way that you can um, test the idea without having to mortgage your house and go all in on the whole thing. Um, like, you need you need some level of validation. And I think, I think um, you know, Flow's advice there around, you know, being able to talk to customers and get a bit of a, you know, dialogue going and seeing if you're actually being helpful or, you know, solving some sort of a problem for people. That's that's kind of that exact same thing. It's like, can you can you figure out some sort of a like the the stepping stones to get to the idea um, and 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 test those, and then you, you you just test a little bit more and a little bit more until you start running out of reasons why you shouldn't, you know, go to that next level and 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 just keep keep sort of like iterating on that because i think that if you have to 
if you have to do it in a way where it's like we're at zero and the only way this idea is going to work is if we go to a thousand, you know, overnight and 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 all our money is in this basket and 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 the vibe is different. The vibe is not so good. Um, you know, it's it's frantic and it's stressful and it's like you you don't you don't get time to test and plan and get that feedback and and refine the idea and let it grow and evolve into what it should be because what you think it should be and what it actually ends up being might be you know a little bit you know evolved so if you can figure out a way to like test stuff and do some stepping stones i think that's really a really a good way to approach it well and i think as well it's staying with the idea and and continuing to refine your approach even when you're not necessarily getting immediate success. I think you, we've touched on today, like a lot of people have this external perception that like you start a business and everything is up and to the right, but actually it's momentum that builds over time. And prior to HubSpot, I actually worked at Red Balloon for a while. And one thing that people forget about the Red Balloon success is they actually, I think it took a year before they sold their first product. So they launched the business and it took a year before anyone actually bought anything. And they stuck with the business for that long, just trying to make it better, trying to refine the process. And then over time, it grew to be super successful business. But if they had just read TechCrunch and were like, oh, hang on, we're not, everything's not going ballistic straight away and given up, they would have missed the opportunity to create a pretty unique business. So uh, I think staying with it, even where, you know, it's not all going perfectly at any one time is also a lesson that's not told a lot. But if you look behind any business success, it's often one that they've had to walk, work through. I remember the day we launched the website, uh, Drew and I like we rung the developer and they're like you're live and so we then like went on to Google and Google tile cloud and we like didn't come up until like the tenth page and we were just like what like where's the business like, how are people if you can't even find us and you Google the name how are you gonna find us and then we like called the the developer and we're like oh where's the business he goes no. Google has to like find your website first and then like troll it and then you'll like start listing and we're like oh okay like that's like a whole thing as well so like the and i think you listen to like i personally and i know drew has as well we listen to all of the um the npr how i built this uh business podcasts about all those businesses and you're like oh my god the day they launched they sold out of everything and it's like that, you know like that doesn't really happen to anyone I don't think and I don't think it even happened to no. them they might have edited some really great bits together there's but it's a like, lot of revisionist history yeah, I think. yeah yeah and it's also the thing of like I think you know you, you the 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 time to think and like look at the when the business was live on the on the website and then that's how we had the time to uh, refine it and change our price and do all of that kind of stuff like that's where we we really learnt who we were and what we wanted to do and what we wanted to say as well but um yeah that was a, a fun day I think the the website came up on Google like a week later and we're like guys if you Google tile cloud like you'll be able to see it now it comes up after I think that before it was like this coded thing from some website that launched like 10 years ago and it was just like the words tile and cloud in the one sentence together and we were underneath them and we're like oh that's success like we're at least we're coming up on Google now yeah we were being outranked by by an article that just mentioned the words tile and cloud it's like that's yeah. not good SEO <laughs> red balloon was held up as an example at UNSW of 
what not a website what a website should not look like from their first version. So I think was that uh, a, was that at Kofa? Did they put that up at like the design school? Being like, don't put, do yeah, because I think it was like red text on a black background, and it was like, please never launch a website like this. It doesn't really work. So um, yeah, I think great e-commerce stories in Australia seem to have yeah a common thread that you got to start somewhere and iterate as you go. Got to start somewhere. Congratulations on the success you've all had so far. It sounds like. Uh, everything is going really well and you've worked through a lot of those early teething problems. I'm sure, you know, there's a saying our CEO likes to say is like, you just graduate to a new set of problems and a new set of competitors as you grow your business. There's never like, oh, we're through and everything's easy street. No, there's always new problems and competitors. But uh, I think you've reached a size and growth and, and certainly a notoriety amongst people I know that means you're well on your way to a huge success. So congratulations and and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for tuning in to Unconventional Business by HubSpot. If you liked what you listened to, please subscribe and I'll catch you on the next episode.